Well, it's Pride Month, and today Pride Month includes myriads of sexual identities and orientations. And just as Pride Month has grown, so too has the disdain for the LGBTQ community by the American Evangelical Church. Now, don't get me wrong. There has been some great advancement within the American church as a whole when it comes to loving their neighbor. But there has also been an overreaction as well, causing churches to promote LGBTQ lifestyles while denying clear scriptural teaching on the subject. Consequently, there have been an overabundance of social media debates, including Christian rock band Seventh Day Slumber's frontman causing cancellations of at least one show, if not more. And it seems as if there is more time spent infighting rather than engaging the culture around us with the love of Christ to share the hope of the gospel. Many in the church still have a works-based repentance concept of the gospel, which is not seen in scripture, demanding the LGBTQ community to repent of specific sin in order to be accepted by Christ or by them. I have found, at least in my life, that many people bring sin with them into their relationship with Christ, not just the LGBTQ community. Some bring addiction, others pornography, adultery, fornication, and the list goes on. I'm sure you, sitting here as a Christian, can identify sin that you didn't realize was sinful until after you were saved. The fact of the matter is, Biblical repentance is the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing someone to the knowledge that they are a sinner, not just pointing out a specific sin in their life. That being said, it has been a struggle for me to formulate my thoughts on the subject since April of this year when a passage of scripture kind of hit me hard in regards to the church and the LGBTQ community. I admit I've been afraid of backlash from both sides as I carefully try to toe the line between truth and love. But unfortunately, it it pains me to see so many Christians give up love for the sake of truth. In essence, they are stating that they would rather see those in the LGBTQ community go to hell than reach out to them in love and form a relationship with them. So would you join me today looking at Jonah and the LGBTQ community? Welcome to another episode of Practical Theology, looking at Jonah and the LGBTQ community. Please join me as we start in Jonah chapter 1. We're going to skip some of the narrative, specifically the whole in the whale part, uh, for the purpose of brevity today to focus on the issue at hand. So Jonah chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Verse 1 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And we skip ahead to chapter 3, where we see the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time... Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. The people of Nineveh believed God's message 
from the greatest to the least. They declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and sat upon a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals of the herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell, maybe yet, even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw their repentance and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, God? That is why I ran away. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, God. I'd rather be dead than to see what I have predicted you would do to happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter to sit under it. And as he waited to see what would happen to the city, the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? There's some great theology here that we could learn from. We clearly see God's standard of holiness as he proclaims judgment on the city of Nineveh. But we also see God's grace and love within the purpose of for sending Jonah to warn Nineveh so that they might repent. The greatest contrast we see in this passage, especially in this last portion here, is the hate-filled heart of Jonah and the grace-filled heart of God. Jonah fled the Lord not because he was afraid of Nineveh, but because he did not think that they deserved a warning and opportunity for repentance. The least loving thing Jonah did was ignore those in Nineveh, essentially wishing that they'd go to hell. Let's look at this last portion again here. So Jonah complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? 
This is why I ran away. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. But kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive to see you do this. Unfortunately, this is the same attitude prevalent in the hearts of professing Christians today towards their LGBTQ neighbors. We would rather see God's judgment come down upon their sin, which just looks different than our own, than to see them repent and become part of our church. How dare you redeem them, God? They aren't even your people. They live in open sin, we say. That's the heart that Jonah had. Dear Christian, consider how you love your neighbor, whose sin may look completely different from your own. Perhaps this is the message God is saying to us today. You feel sorry about your own comfort being ruined, but the LGBTQ community has millions of people living in spiritual darkness. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a people? How are we loving our LGBTQ neighbor? Are we literally wishing them to go to hell? Or are we reaching out to them in love to share the gospel of hope, grace, and repentance?